years of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. I found this chat very fascinating because Morris and I actually hardly know each other. We only briefly met a few weeks ago at a meeting. Then a few days later, I got a message from my friend Fiona, the photographer from episode 5, suggesting that I speak to her friend Marius for Meet Me in the Field. It was only once I somehow stalked him on Facebook, <laughs> yes I do, that I discovered that it is the same Marius whom I had met earlier. I was somewhat surprised, yet very grateful, that he agreed to come and talk to us. This podcast is supported by the first layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Sit back and enjoy Morris's journey. Marius, good afternoon. How are you doing? Hi, Freddy. I'm well. Thanks. Great. I'm very well. Thank you very much. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. And it used to be a green chain that was the guest chair, but now I bought a new one. So that's welcome to the black chair. I think you're the first person in the black chair. So oh, wonderful. <laughs> Honored. I hope, I hope you appreciate it. It's comfortable. Thanks. <laughs> this is really exciting because you're somebody that I've met only recently. And we spent very little time together. And then through our combined friend Fiona, the photographer of one of the earlier episodes, she suggested speak to Marius. And I said, yes, why not? So here you are. Thank you for coming through. What I do know about you is you have a Dutch-sounding surname. So yes, my surname is, and I always spell it, because <laughs> if I say it, then people will get it wrong. So I'm going to spell it and then I'll say it. <laughs> It's V-A-N space D-E, no R, space W-A-L-L. So it's Van der Waal. Van der Waal. Van der Van der Okay. <laughs> and that is very much Dutch. It's very Dutch. So are your parents Dutch? Your father especially? My, I'm a fifth generation South African. Okay. Basically, so my father's great granddad came to South Africa as a reverend, a duomni in the Dutch oh. Reverend Church. And he was the second reverend of the Tweeturen Church in Bloemfontein. Oh my word, okay. And that's the church where my father was a reverend later on. And where my father retired it. So yeah, I come from a line of Dominis. Oh I, don't know, I don't know what happened with me. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about genealogy. And my brother did a study on that at some stage. He calls carries the family names. And Afterwards, when I asked him, so what, what do you know now? He said, well, all I can really tell you is in our family, either you became a theologist or you became an alcoholic or both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, with us, it's very much theologist or an attorney. I said, okay. And I, from, in my early days, I became an attorney. Oh, I, I quickly found out that it's not for me. Oh, I discovered my mistake. And but you went through all the studies. I went through all of it. That's insane. <laughs> That's completely insane. So, what I can gather is you obviously grew up Dutch Reformed. Yes. Where do you stand today? Within the context of the church. Yes. Uh, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Talk starts now. One minute. <laughs> um, well, basically, um, 
you know, I've had this long journey with religion. Um, from a very small age, I was uncomfortable with the whole idea. I and, can identify. And it was like, you know, it was like something that in, in a lot of respects didn't make sense to me. Or, and then I felt guilty about it and I felt, oh shit, am I going to hell? Because this is kind of, I felt like the, the odd one out, like the only one. I remember one of my earliest memories was I, I sat in the church and I looked around me and I looked at all these people and they all looked so faithful to me and I thought, am I the only one here going to hell? Because I don't get this. And I, don't, this, I didn't as well. I felt exactly the same. So it was a very long journey and we can stand still at some of the phases in that journey. And I've made peace with a lot of it. And today I can call myself, or I call myself spiritual, which is a, also a very broad term. Spiritual in the past was something for me that hippies and people, yogis did. Mm. So um, it's changed a lot for me. My concept of spirituality is, is, is a very practical concept. And I went through, um, you know, very big transitions in my whole journey to get to this phase. Yeah. Religion as such still does not make sense to me in the context of what we we were taught. Yes, I can identify with that. Could you ever have the conversation with your father that Dad, I'm struggling with this? Absolutely. You know, my father. Yeah, my father was very open about it. And what I remember about my father is we had this long debates about it. Um, Did he ever tell you that you're going straight to hell? Never. Never? Oh my God. That was a bad journey. <laughs> you know, he was a very kind person. I remember in one of his last congregations, he would, for instance, go to, to Jewish people that would, wasn't in this church, but he would do what we call the you know, where you yeah. visit people at home. My father was very, very much talk, traditional about the oh, Ais The good old days, um, we had to dust off the Bible because the coming. <laughs> And then he would go to these people and he would also read from the Bible, the Old Testament for them, and he would do a prayer. But he did, he did nothing that would offend them. Okay. He did something that he, he looked for the commonalities yeah. between the religions. Oh, and that is that. very much how my father was. He was a Christian and he believed that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he believed the traditional stuff. But he was also the first to... to um, say if we had arguments that he just doesn't know okay he didn't pretend to know everything and he would say that it's not for him to know this so that i really appreciated from him mm. over the years and, and and it gave me that openness to, to talk about this stuff fantastic so there were a lot of times that we did not agree on stuff <laughs> oh well i can't think that i ever could have told my parents that i struggled i don't understand no 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 it was just not an option <laughs> just not <laughs> You grew up in Bloemfontein. Yeah, mostly. Being a Germanist son, we, we moved around a bit. And from my standard three year in 1983, we settled in Bloemfontein and then I did the rest of my school career there. I studied there. I articled, did my two years articles to become a lawyer there. And then I moved to Pretoria for a year, practiced as a an attorney, then I left the law and I lived in Joburg for basically 16, 17 years before coming to Cape Town three okay. years ago. What made you think that you wanted to be a lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
know, um, I went for my experimental diagnosis. I went for my psychometric tests in standard nine, as you do, to find out what you should do. But the, 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 the days when you grew up in the days when you did psychometric tests, yes. with us it was kind of, you know, you have options, a teacher, doctor, or whatever, and the straat fiesta. <laughs> it was basically within that context, and then the, 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 the test results were that I should go and do drama and journalism and something like psychology. And the lady said to me, just don't do law. <laughs> and I think when you tell me not to do something, oh, no. No. <laughs> are you serious? So they told you not to do law, and you went and to then do it. I thought I will not do what you. I, I won't let you tell me what not to do. I will go and do it then. But um, I mean, you know, that's one part of the picture. The other part of the picture is also that you know those days it was pretty much a thing you've got to get a, a career. So it was more yeah. always being, becoming a doctor or Absolutely. an attorney or. So the whole idea of going and doing drama is like, I mean, we were always raised with this whole thing. You've got to have math still the trick. And mm-hmm. you've got to go and study something where there's work. Otherwise, you will never work. Get work. <laughs> so that was like the fear, almost like the fear of hell that was in you. Yeah. So that was part of the study Okay. I sometimes wonder why my parents were so lenient with me when it came to to study choices, but then I remember I was quite clear that I'm, I'm going to become a sports psychologist. That that was it. That's also a career. Yeah, it's like a very was, much a thing. Yeah. It was only when I got to Barcelona that I hated psychology. <laughs> <laughs> that, that it became. But now you can't say that. You didn't really hate it. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> I never hated the. How can I put this? I found psychology too theoretical, so theoretical that I actually failed psychological theory. I could not get it. But I loved sociology, which was far more practical, and counseling was also far more practical. So psychology was still struggling. When you left law, what what did you do? What were your options? Well, you know, at that stage it was like a crisis because I was in this whole perspective of you, if you hadn't studied for something, you'd go and do it. Exactly. It was a little bit the old days. So I very practically thought, okay, I want to be in something more um, creative. And I mean, the creative side of me started screaming. And um, then I looked at what is the kind of creative careers that you can do without necessarily studying it. And one thing that stood out was advertising. So okay. to make a long story short, I put myself out there. I contacted the five biggest advertisers in, in the country. Why do I feel the word arrogant? Was arrogant is maybe the appropriate I only contacted the five biggest ones, sent by Sidney. And then the one actually came back to me. And I, I went there and I did some tests. And then they said, I qualify, I'm exactly the same, the kind of person they want in, as an accounts executive, I should just wait for a job. Oh my God. And so in what the meantime, was this, now, this was now, this was 19, end of 1998. Okay. So then the lady there, Rina Bloomberg at that stage, who was at that uh, ad agency, also were brought in to, to, to go and run an Afrikaans talk radio station. I don't know whether you remember the old Pintgesels radio. It was a talk radio station, mm-hmm. that, 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 which was... I was in was, Cape Town by that time already. It and was in that, Cape as well. It was in, in, Cape that time, in that stage, I was also in a very, very non-Afrikaans phase. Okay. I was in Afrikaans guilt. I didn't want to identify with Afrikaans or anything like that. So that was a dark phase in my life. <laughs> so, but this was quite a cool radio station. It was based on the 702 concept okay. kind of thing but for Afrikaans. And I still think if they were proper... 
if there had been enough money and management and stuff into it, it would have made it. But anyway, to make a long story short, she said to me, I can wait a couple of months and go to the ad agency or I can start immediately at the radio station. And I was so desperate to get out of the world and I said, okay, let's go for radio. And so I landed up there doing advertising sales in broadcasting and this whole new world opened up for me. And it was like so exciting, all these personalities, people on air and that kind of stuff. And it grabbed me in and at a stage I thought, now I would like to go and do television, not knowing anything about television. And one day, a lady that used to work with me had been told a producer about me and a TV producer contacted me and said he wants to see me. And I went to see him and he gave me a job and I landed up on TV. That was the year 2000. And the year of our Lord 2000. And, it's still, and I'm still in television. It just happened that way. And it's always been behind the camera and behind the microphone. Always behind the camera. Okay. Um, producing, directing. Okay. First, you know, that first job of thing was like, starting office market, marketing, going into production management, and then went into directing. So it was always been directing and producing. You make it sound like a very smooth transition into directing. <laughs> so it wasn't that, that smooth? Or did it just um, come nasty for you? It, you know, it's like anything, I guess. It's, nothing is as difficult as we make it look like. I mean, if you're open for it and <laughs> if you are naturally inclined into that direction, it, it happens. Yeah. Um, it's obviously not, you know, it's it's that thing. We don't need to study to become something. Absolutely. And um, if you find your niche or you find your place, then it will happen. So your passion. Your passion. So, so it was a lot of times I, I thought <laughs> that People are going to catch me out. I actually don't know what I'm doing here. And I don't know whether I can. Because <laughs> and, and I'm the only one who knows that I can't do this, but let's pretend doing this and go yeah. on. <laughs> so now we're in the, what can I call it? I want to say drug, sex, and rock and roll. The entertainment <laughs> industry is always what, what, what I think of those type of things. How does a, what shall, what shall we call you, a, you sound like a Christian with an identity crisis. <laughs> a Christian with an identity crisis. <laughs> or or what, what would you have described yourself as at uh, that stage? Are we now back to religion and spirituality? We're we now, we, okay. we, we now putting the line back to, to where okay. you are in your life in terms of spirituality. Okay, okay, okay. You know, so what's happened to me is I, I first had, you know, and I, I think a lot of people associate with this. So, yeah, I didn't have a problem with Jesus as such. I mean, I think that preachings of Jesus, it's universal stuff and somebody that something that anyone can associate with. I had a problem with the exclusivity of it all, that if you don't confess and admit that, then you are going straight to hell. <laughs> and I've always had this whole thing, and I think a lot of us start out that way when we start, when we start questioning this. I mean, what about people that's never heard about of that? What about people of other religions? Are they now really excluded? Um, and I mean, that's the teachings of the church. So um, it started out there, and obviously another thing that played a part in my development with religion is the fact that I'm gay. Ah, I'm <laughs> ready, And, you know, that was as such also a big thing of what, what now. I mean, this whole thing of we've been raised, or the church told us that it's a sin. And what now? And that it's like a, 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 a 
you're in the entertainment industry and it seems as if you have kind of a jolling philosophical culture around you. That's kind of the picture that I have in my head. Uh, an hedonist living. <laughs> that type of thing, yeah. yeah. Having fun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Life lies while you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> and when and how did that change? Yeah, you see, um, for me, it was, you know, there were, was a lot of years that that, oh, that served me and it was good. And um, I had a, you know, I was having fun. And I, I look at it back a lot of times fondly. So it's not, it wasn't just yeah, all doom right. and gloom. Um, but you know, the whole thing, the disease of alcoholism is a progressive thing. So it mm. kind of buggered out by the lack of how much with them Anyway. I had to classify it in such a way that we are going to swim, we are going to talk about really, sex. Really, really. So, so go but, for okay. it. But you know, so it, it got to a point where it was in the last days, it, 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 it progressed quickly. And in the last days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I am sounds almost... Like, <laughs> it sounds like, you know, a patient dying of cancer in the last days, it really progressed through your body. So I have sober for almost three years now. Excellent. And that last year, it went downhill before I got sober. Um, I moved to Cape Town. I was in a relationship that didn't work out. I was near in Cape Town. I was suddenly, I, I sold my properties and stuff in Joburg and I was suddenly here in the city, not knowing a lot of people. Well, I've had my friends and stuff, but it's still, it was, it was a, it was a big transition and feeling all on by myself. Um, and the writing was on the wall. It was like the, the couple of things happened and on the 31st of October 2015, yes, I went to my first AA meeting and went to rooms. Did you um, get clean through the rooms? Yes. Oh my wow. Oh my yes. wow. Oh my word. <laughs> That's yeah. excellent. I love, love, love hearing hearing stories like this. Have you relapsed yet? Touch wood. I say touch wood, I say that with respect because I, I always see how. You know, I've seen it now. Quickly, it can happen. And no, we are, we are, and that's we are why never immune to it. I believe there's a relapse inside me, and I just haven't relapsed yet. Yeah, there's a relapse inside all of us, yeah. I think. Absolutely. Um, I had a, a, a very bad patch beginning of this year, end of last year, and I still look back at it and think it is actually a miracle that I did not relapse. But, you know, so, so for me, it's um, just to rewind on this. Like five or six years ago, and I know this is controversial to some people, I know that it is a topic that there's a lot of um, perspectives on it and opinions on it, but five or six years ago, I went to Peru to go and do some shamanic work with um, Ayahuasca and San Pedro, oh, which, which is the, the um, they call it medicine work. Stuff that grows, I mean, ayahuasca only grows in the Amazon, and it's a it's a combination of two bark trees and stuff, and it's been used there for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, and I had I had two reasons why I went. Um, well, just to give a, a background on that, I had friends doing that, and they subsequently moved to Peru, and I saw the progress in their lives, how they 
um, completely got off on antidepressants and how they got quality of life and I'm not predicting getting out of antidepressants. I myself am on a light one. Just saying I saw the progress in their yeah. lives. And then I thought, but this can only be positive. So I went down to Peru for, for, for basically two reasons. The one was to get myself to work on my alcohol uh -huh. behaviors. Issue. <laughs> it was not necessarily to stop drinking. It was to, to, to try and get to a place of control drinking. And the other one was to, to work with this obsession that I have developed about dying and about religion because I, I got obsessed with that. Okay. It was like I, at a stage I was, it was literally an obsession. You about mentioned that your father's passed away. Was that around his passing or? It was what, after he passed away. Okay, yeah. so, so that, that triggered the... Yeah, I don't say that one had anything to do with the other one. No, no I don't think they had to do with each other um, as such. So I went on this journey to Peru and I um, did this work with the shaman. Extremely hard and difficult work. Very challenging. Uh, it was something that I would always see as, as one of those big moments in my life. Why does the work get tough if you don't mind going into it more detail? You know, it's, 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 and, and once again, I will only recommend this for people who really feel that they are ready for it. Um, and that they do their research. Um, it's like almost doing some kind of indemnity here. It is a very strong potion by the lack of anything else. All natural, so it's like a herbal tea yeah. that you drink within the context of a ceremony with a shaman and where you go into this, some people call it hallucinations, hallucinatory state. Others will call it visions. Others will say that you enter a, a paradigm reality. Yeah. Or, um, another realm. Uh, another realm. Sorry, not that paradigm. But so, so whatever it is, very strong stuff happens to you and very um, significant stuff happens to you in a spiritual way. I went there. I, I did it. Um, it was challenging. I got back home and life went on. Somewhere along the way, I realized that, okay, this obsession about God and dying was not anymore that, that it wasn't as big there. Okay. So I guess in the respect, in a way, something of that has shifted a bit. But I kept on drinking. But now I also have to say another thing that happened there, and we might touch base on it later, is in one of those ceremonies, I saw a cow grazing in the field. And at that moment, all the pain of all of the animals of the world mm. manifested in me, looking at that cow, of what we as human beings doing to them. Aha! That was a little vision that happened. <laughs> I came back home, and I went on with my life. Now, three years later, down the line, I landed up in the rooms. Um, becoming sober and last year I became vegan so I'm, I never know you know it's like <laughs> I don't know whether the seeds have been planted there or not but I think with all things like with all things spirituality we can't look at stuff in isolation yeah but the one leads to the other and they slide into each other yeah um, we built the puzzle as we go yeah, along yeah and um, who knows did you immediately make the jump to veganism. You didn't go vegetarianism first or pescatarian or what you did. No. 
Well, I, the one evening I still ate meat, and the next day I said, okay, I'm vegan. But it sounds That's like... That's a bullshit. It, <laughs> you know, it sounds like an immediate jump, but it obviously is not. Uh, the know, like, like I said, that thing happened there while mm. I had that ceremony, and along the way I got aware of how we are fucking the environment up sorry the whole factory farm that's the way we are classified as explicit so by all means fuck fuck if you want how what we are doing with the whole factory farming system with cows and the emotional gases with cows is more than this is worse than what we do with all the transport in the world etc etc and at a stage i've realized that uh a pig is a very sociable animal, very intelligent, more intelligent than dogs. So I started becoming uncomfortable eating steak and pork. And I look back at it now, it's so arbitrary. So why now feel uncomfortable to eat this one and that one, but still fine to eat the rest? But that is where I was. And then last year... now the word that the, my brain process works. In terms yeah, of so just kind of... You have to connect the dots and you have to take your time to connect the dots. So Absolutely. you just took your time to connect the dots and that's okay. Absolutely. And then last year I, I heard of this book, um, Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Fuhr. I think that's how you pronounce it. Oh, good. And, okay. Yeah. See, it's the same guy that read Extremely Out and Incredibly Close, which is on your shelf. I know, but I've seen the it's movie. Lovely. It's lovely. I've seen the movie, so I'm, I'm actually surprised that he's the same guy that wrote that. Yeah. I didn't know that. But anyway. So um, I read this book, Eating Animals, and literally the evening when I finished the last page, I just said to myself, now that I know this, I cannot pretend not knowing this. And just to say the big book does not promote veganism as such, it just gives the facts of what we are doing. What we're doing with the environment, with the factory farm system with animals, what we're doing to the animals, and it gave me that awareness. And yeah. I read the last page. I remember I was still with that evening, earlier that evening with friends where they gave some, uh, you know, pork belly or whatever for dinner. That was literally the last meat I had. And the next day I said, okay, I'm vegan. I can't remember the last meat I had. I can't remember what it was. It just was such a weird experience for me. Well, I'm vegetarian. I haven't done the whole. But anyway, um, I just opened the fridge that day and I realized, oh shit, the meat's finished. And I closed the fridge and I realized that. I'm going to buy meat later today, but I'm not going to buy for me. I'll buy for my husband, but I'll make meat for him. And it's weird because for very long I struggled with the idea, I'm not going to make meat, I'm not going to make food for two people. And that day it was just kind of, I'll do that. I'll make more vegetables and I eat that and he can eat the meat. So what do you think what happened for you then? I don't know. It was, it was just one of those... Let's call it a spiritual awakening. But that's, that's and, and what, what what drove that was I started following a guy on Twitter. Um who posted all the stuff about pigs and how intelligent they are and how they they, mm. they suffer and oh my god, I eventually unfollowed him. I'm sorry, I can't remember who you are. <laughs> I'll start following you again, I was looking you up. And every time I ate meat I couldn't get those pictures out of my head. And the Chickens in batteries, and mm. oh my god! So it was Same a thing. long. I suppose it was a two-year period of thinking about it, starting to talk about it, becoming aware that more of my friends are becoming that, that aware of it, and then eventually, just that day, it was 
the stars were aligned. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it works that way. Um, and I always say, because it works that way, there's no way for me to try and convince someone else to become Exactly. Vegan. It's a very personal thing. Um, we all go with our own beliefs to a, to a table when we eat. And um, people will always, or sometimes pick on the poor vegan and say that they come with a strong belief system to the table. But meat eaters all come, also come with a strong belief system to a table, thinking that, I mean, they've been raised, that it's good, you need that, you need that, yeah. that's part of the food chain, and, 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 and. It's not necessarily. <laughs> but, um, so the thing is, I don't try and convince people, yeah. but I like to plant the seeds. Oh. Subsequently, when I, you know, after I became vegan, I, I developed in sobriety, I developed a huge sugar problem to the point of where it was like an eating disorder. I just went all the way with ice cream and stuff. It was really, me too. And I gained so much weight. And oh God, you're so thin. Yeah, but I, I weighed like last year this time, I weighed like 25 kilograms more than that. Are you serious? And when I got vegan, the sugar cravings went, and also what helped is that theory and stuff, I, I wasn't allowed to do that thing. Yeah. Again. So you know, it's better to know, I cannot do this, and yeah. I can do a bit, because I can't do a little bit. That's not how I operate. So you're also a black or gray, uh, black or white. Give, give me gray, I swim around in that gray area, so fabulous. Exactly. Uh, and I mean, everything becomes the way to go. People that ask can't do anything in moderation. Exactly. <laughs> I became so healthy, I lost weight, I became very fit, and I have to say, I've done it because of, because of ethical principle-based stuff, but if I look back at it now, I also would have done it because of health. And, you know, at this stage, there's three people I know of that turned vegan because of me. I not, see. Not, not one of them did it for ethical reasons. They did it like, um, they see what it did to me. You look so on, fabulous on, on, no, I, don't, I don't want to say that I look fabulous. But they did it for absolute vanity reasons. And I say, that is okay. If that is the way that you reach people, um, that is fine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but let vanity prevail, but let veganism come into that as well. Yeah. Was there a, a spiral effect from veganism to a stronger awareness of how we fuck up the universe generally? We spoke about it before the podcast recording about my issue with plastics mm. and eco bricks and those type of things. Mm. I've always been a, been aware and I've always been, because the universe is my higher power, nature is my higher power. Mm. So I've always been aware of how we fuck up nature. But since I've taken action in terms of the fact of not eating meat, I feel empowered to take action on more things. If that make makes sense. So I've now started, for instance, doing an eco brick, yeah. and we've always um, recycled. But I'm more aware of. I normally just move everything in. Now I'm more aware of what is actually really, really recyclable, and the rest goes into eco brick and those type of things. So was there any awareness like that for you as well? I think it inevitably happens. I mean, here's my water bottle in next to me, which is not plastic. Ah, um, and these my that's gloss. You know, so so that is kind of the thing that happens. It's like now I, when I go and do shopping, I have had my naughty moments where I do use the plastic bag. Ah. But I've also now made this rule to me if I've forgotten my, you know, those bags. Do you do that as well? You walk into shopping and I fuck my bags in the car. But now I've got this rule, then I have to buy another one. 
because okay. um, okay. that will keep me. Yeah. I walk with the groceries in my arm. <laughs> if it's not that much. That will, you know, that will keep me accountable. Yeah. Because it's just too easy to get that plastic bag thinking, oh, only this once. But, you know, so yes, it grows, it, 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 it spirals out. Okay. As you get yeah. aware of more stuff um, in that respect. Like the straws. And, and you know what is so funny to me? I mean, I, I, I've got this breakfast club on Saturday mornings. Oh, lovely. And these, these guys, they, it always ends up all of them talking about me being vegan and vegan this and vegan that and stuff. And I, one has confessed to me that they always talk about afterwards that I am, that's all that I'm talking about. And then I started testing them. So we'll go to the breakfast and I won't say a word. And then they start with it. Ah. <laughs> and, and it's one of those guys that now recently said, okay, you're still vegan for 30 days. And I have to say my, a, a, another friend of mine did the 30 days thing as, um, as a result of me, just kept on doing it. Oh, fabulous. So, um, the, so the seeds are planted. <laughs> but people think it's you talking about the whole time. They talk about it the whole time and they think it's you. So now I'm just saying, I've tested it. I keep my mouth shut. And if you see the next moment, then they go there. But you know what I've also seen is, I've, I've, I've seen with other people doing the vegan thing is that some people are really very um, aggressive and serious about it. And that doesn't serve the purpose. Yeah. Um, I think it's very good to be lighthearted about it. To take the jokes that's coming your way, even if it's not always funny, and to joke with them and, mm -hmm. and, and to guy back and, and to, you know, tease back. Um, that is what works for me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's to keep it light, although it's a serious I, topic. Even I was quite offended yesterday when I got this meme that said, to all meat eaters enjoy your bride day, to the vegetarians enjoy your garden. <laughs> and my first reaction was going, Fuck you! <laughs> and I was going to respond to the French and I thought, no, this is a joke. And this is exactly how it should be taken. And I got it four or five or six times. So by the sixth time, I was completely desensitized. So, so it was complete, completely okay. And you know what's so funny is that they don't realize how not funny, how those jokes are not funny. <laughs> True. So, as we stand today, what do you do to practice your sense of spirit. What, what is your sense of spirit today? Okay, I'm glad that you're coming back to that because I don't want to make this sound that it's all about vegan talks. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just the one that I ask of my life. So, so I started what I call, whenever I do a special topic for Meet Me in the Field, I call it the sidebar. So shall we do a sidebar, Meet Me in the Field goes vegan? <laughs> <laughs> or Meet Me in the Field goes anti-meat? <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to make it sound that it's all about that, because it's not. Um, I'm now almost three years in recovery. And I have to say, my early days of recovery, I was very much afraid of this whole thing, of this 12-step program bringing God into the picture. And I was, like a lot coming into the rooms, skeptical about it. And I was also rebellious about it. I was kind of not not going there, not going uh -huh. to step two and step three and that stuff. Are you serious? So you struggled to actually get down and do the right thing? I, yeah, and my first sponsor, must, I must say, was very light on me with that. And okay. he kind of focused, and I think it's very good that as long as there's just the, the willingness to think that there's a chance that you can go, yeah. then it's okay. Cool. But I think he, he knew his customers. He was a very experienced That's sponsor. Yeah. So he knew that, that, 
Don't yeah. go too much there with this guy. Just the last thing you want is to pressure somebody and then turn around and yeah. leave. Exactly. So, but what happened with me is in sobriety, I actually, and it's like quite in the front of the soberness of thoughts about religion and about everything that um, this hamster that we all say questions that I've had over and over again. And last year, and it's going to sound So you've got the of insanity. Sorry to interrupt you, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably, yes, absolutely. So you keep on doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different answer. And absolutely. Answer the answer because the question status. Absolutely, absolutely. So last year, I allowed myself, I decided, okay, now I'm going to go and explore atheism. Okay. So I went for it. I bought the books. I'm frowning. <laughs> You're the first person I've ever encountered who said, I went to explore atheism. Okay. <laughs> no, it was like, I, I, in 2017, my atheist year. So you've decided... you're a very cerebral person. You, you think about stuff, you investigate it, you yes. make a choice based on information. Yes, yes. Okay. yes. And that, like I've done with the book that I read about veganism, yeah. the documentaries I saw about it, I did the same thing then at that stage. And I was ready last year to do it. I, I think earlier I wasn't ready to do it. So I got books like The God Illusion, um, The End of Faith, God is not great. I watched stuff on YouTube. I went for the killing. I went for it all. And the thing is, all of that, I mean, those the guys that talk about the four horsemen of atheism, um, Sam Harris and the others, and they are so good. Whenever you see the back of them or somebody that's religious, they usually win. <laughs> so they're very convincing. And, um, you know, all of that what they said made so much sense to me, the scientific approach, evolution, etc., etc., etc. And I got to that point where I saw myself now as an atheist. And I thought, okay, this is it now. This is now my voice. This is where I am. And it worked for me then it did not work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, end of last year, I was confronted, being a bit more than two years in sobriety, Stuff came, started coming up for me why I actually, in the first place, I think started drinking too much. Um, I'm talking about friends, our old friends, stuff like codependency. Uh, mm, oh, God, yeah. And that stuff. That's my new friend, by the way. There's, there's <laughs> <a stick> <laughs> <work>. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, I, I looked back at my life and I saw these codependency patterns and stuff that happened with me and I thought, where was I? Why did I not see this? So I decided to, um, well, I decided to. That stuff was so hectic in my life that I, I'm, I'm very sure that I've had a, an emotional relapse. And it's that stuff, and I got, I got depressed. I got to a place of the, 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 where I was so depressed um, that I even got suicidal, which was, oh, never, which was never part of my picture. And you know, I thought if life in sobriety is like this, I might as well start drinking again. Because yeah. it was just this big place of misery. And I've got a wonderful sponsor, and he very kindly worked with all of this with me, and we did step work around all of this other stuff. And he left me alone regarding the God stuff. But he put a lot of emphasis on the fact that it is still important to surrender. And I have to say, I was at such a bad space that it it forced me to my knees. Okay. And I just 
thought to myself, okay, let's just do this. Um, I don't know what's out there. I don't know what to call it. I don't know what, but let's call it the mystery. A myst- it's a mystery, so let's call it the mystery. So that became a high power. And so I started with a new vengeance to the step word. And um, to answer your questions now, to make a long, uh, 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 you know, short question, long answers. <laughs> so, so that that's where practical spirituality started happening with me this okay. year, and where I am at the point where I actually realized that you know what, the whole thing about the power, there is a power greater than ourselves out there. There's obviously a power mm. greater than ourselves out there. I mean, the power of two people is more than the power of one. That's already yeah. a power. So I decided not to give it all these semantics. I mean. The word God has so much semantics to it. People has got, have got their own idea about it, and then it already takes the picture of our power out of it. So no, let's not call it something. Let's not. Let's just surrender to this mystery. Um, and it was an amazing journey for me, and it still is an amazing journey for me because um, I am actually at this point where I can start talking about using the word God. But although I say remember, I still believe in evolution. Um, and I don't say it was like, you know, I don't believe in that creative God that in six days or whatever. But so me believing in the evolution means that that higher power, God, whatever you want to call him, was there even before we could speak. Mm-hmm. So that higher power is not even measured in terms of semantics and words and stuff. So let's not even go with words to describe yeah. this. And let's not, let's unbox it. We don't need to box this. Um, and let's just, Accept whatever and surrender. Excellent. Um, and that works for me now. Cool. That that is basically at last, at long last, I feel that I've got peace with this whole thing. It's taken me long. I'm slow to That and sometimes quickly, sometimes so always always between us go. Right, you Boris, I can smell the food. I'm actually wondering if it's burning, but um, let's go and have lunch. Thank oh, you so, 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 so much, much for bringing us on your journey with you, and um, have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you very much, Fred. Thanks. Thanks for asking me. It was You're fun welcome. talking to you. What a lovely early afternoon chat. Morris and I clicked very nicely, and I thoroughly enjoyed our Meet Me in the Field conversation, as well as a vegan lunch we had afterwards. I am ever so slightly embarrassed to say that I served him leftovers from a vegan Asian feast cooked for friends on the Sunday. Other way, we both enjoyed it thoroughly. It feels as if Marius has been on a journey with regards to his spirituality. I like how he is quite empirical, yet also open-minded to agree that some things need to be believed without seeing it. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or Freddy van Rensburg or on Twitter at at Freddy or Instagram Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. If you feel you have a spiritual journey to share with us, please contact me. We would love to hear from you. I'm currently working on an idea where I'm looking for someone who has taken the Hajj or any other significant spiritual journey to come and talk to us. If you have done something like this and are willing to share your experience with us, I shall greatly appreciate it. I want to thank Maurice for his time and for sharing his views with Meet Me in the Field. Thank you for listening. Be safe. 
Bye.